It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. The FT. Welcome to this edition of World Weekly with me, Gideon Rachman. Today we look at the turmoil in Ukraine. Mass demonstrations continue in Kiev, the capital, against the government of President Viktor Yanukovych, which sparked the protests by refusing to sign an association agreement with the European Union, instead apparently opting for closer ties with Russia. The situation's tense and volatile. Joining me here in this studio to discuss it is Neil Buckley, our East Europe editor who was in Kiev only last week. And on the line from the Ukrainian capital is our correspondent there, Roman Elyachuk. Roman, can you tell us, first of all, what's the situation now? Are there still hundreds of thousands of demonstrators out in the streets? Uh, at the moment, we have uh, perhaps more than 10,000 protesters on Kiev's main square. And uh, after ride police cleared a part of their protest camp and removed the barricades two days ago. They have uh, built new barricades built of snow, uh, of a sack filled of snow. They're about two meters high, and they've pitched new tents. So they've essentially, they're holding firm. They, they, have, they have gained, regained t- lost territory, and their resolve seems to be strong, getting stronger with each day. And how do you think the authorities are, are likely to handle it? I mean, you mentioned they tried to clear them out a couple of days ago. Do you think they're going to make another attempt? Yes, I think this is a quagmire, in a sense, for Mr. Yanukovych, the president, because the more he pushes at the protesters and tries to clear them from the street, the stronger their resolve gets and the, the bigger the crowds get on the streets. And the demonstrators have shown this already in the past couple of days. And um, so it's a little bit of a problem for Mr. Yanukovych. Um, who, who appears most recently to be keen to some kind of compromise. He's called the protesters and the opposition leaders uh, into compromise talks. But uh, the, the protesters and the opposition leaders are still waiting for Mr. Yanukovych to first release uh, about a dozen protesters that were deta- detained in prior days. Uh, only then will they go into compromise talks. And their, their, their demands are basically um, everything from snap presidential to snap parliamentary elections, with the snap parliamentary elections being more uh, achievable. Uh, Mr. Yanukovych is not likely to resign. People here on the streets realize that. But um, they're essentially taking a stand and and, and determined to at least turn the tides of what has been under Mr. Yanukovych, a rolling back of democracy. Uh, They're looking on Europe uh, as a a place that that can bring Ukraine uh, higher living standards, democracy, rule of law, and that's why they're standing and demanding that he signs these integration agreements with the EU. They want to see a better future for their children. They don't see a better future for their children if Ukraine pursues uh, closer relations with Russia as opposed to with the EU. I'll turn to Neil in a second, but just one practical question that intrigues me, Roman. I mean, you say they're building barricades out of snow. It's obviously bitterly cold. Can President Yanukovych just wait them out and count on the weather to do the job for him? I think that's actually unlikely. Certainly these protesters are uh, are capable of spending another several weeks on the streets. There's a healthy rotation that's happening where 
some of the protesters spend several days and then go back to Western Ukraine. Western Ukraine is a part of Ukraine where support for EU integration is strongest. And they're replaced by new uh, people that are replaced them that come from Western Ukraine to Kiev. Also, you have a situation where in the evening, people of Kiev, the residents of the capital, come out in the evening and stand on the streets, whereas during the day and the mornings, you have more of the people from Western Ukraine that have arrived to the protest. So you have this healthy rotation and this permanent presence on the main square that, that I think can help this protest last for the long haul. And of course, the protesters are now looking forward till the weekend when they, they're expecting big crowds to emerge again this Sunday like in past Sundays. They're, they're hoping for uh, not the almost one million that they had last Sunday, but perhaps two million people to show up. And they're hoping that that will strengthen their, 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 their cards at the bargaining table with Yanukovych when compromise talks start perhaps next week. Neil, um, you were there, and you're now back here in London with a, a sort of slightly more distant perspective on events. How do you think it's going to end? I mean, could it just go on as a stalemate? Is there a risk of violence? I think the uh, the risk of violence remains. Uh, we did see, uh, as Roman was saying, violent attempts on Tuesday night, Wednesday morning by the police to take down the barricades. They succeeded in taking down some of the barricades, uh, although the protesters remained on the square and ultimately the police went home. But we can't rule out further attempts uh, to get the protesters off the square. Mr Yanukovych has shown on a couple of occasions now that he's prepared to use those, uh, take those kind of steps. So it's it's difficult to see how it ends without there being a compromise of some sort, but there would have to be compromise on both sides. I, mean, I think the opposition protesters probably would have to drop their call for Mr Yanukovych to resign because he clearly is not going to. That is just beyond the pale for him. But the president also has to compromise. He has to meet some of the protesters' preconditions before they will sit down for talks. But that's the only peaceful way I think we're going to get out of this situation is if both sides are prepared to make some compromises. Now, uh, I mean, it's often portrayed in the outside world as Democrats versus authoritarians or as pro-European liberals versus uh, pro-Russian autocrats. But as Roman was mentioning, there's also a regional dimension, isn't there, with the support mainly from West Ukraine rather than the East, which is closer to Russia. Which do you think is the more accurate portrayal or is both correct in some, some way? I think it's a complex interplay of, of, of those various different factors, actually. There, there is a regional dimension. Definitely Western Ukraine is more pro-independence and pro-European as a, as a sort of guarantee of independence. Uh, the East is closer to Russia um, uh, culturally as well as physically and economically. On the other hand, we've seen that um, Mr Yanukovych's support, although he comes from the East, he comes from Donetsk, uh, from the Russian-speaking region, his support even there is falling. It's uh, it's a lot softer than it was. And uh, Vitaly Klitschko, the, uh, the most popular of the opposition leaders, the uh, world heavyweight boxing champion, he has pretty good support numbers even in the East. Uh, so it's not an absolutely clear east-west split. I think what you got on the square is 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 people who are pro-European in terms of a, a kind of concept. Europe is is as much a, a concept as it is a a concrete entity or aspiration. It's about a different Ukraine. It's about a more modern, democratic, free Ukraine, the kind of Ukraine that young people want to live in and haven't seen created in the 22 years uh, since uh, Ukraine achieved its independence from uh, the Soviet Union. That's really what this is about. Roman, Neil mentioned there Vitaly Klitschko, who must surely be 
one of the more unlikely political figures emerging in the world is this gigantic heavyweight boxer. Is he now the focal point for the opposition or is it still the jail leader, Yulia Tymoshenko, or is it a combination or, or somebody else? Uh, he, in terms of opposition candidates, uh, he is one of the leading opposition candidates. His polling data shows that he has the lowest negative rating and the highest chances of being elected president. But here on the ground at the protest camp in, in downtown Kiev, most of the protesters don't want their protest to be hijacked by the politicians. They see that what they're standing for is about more than bringing certain politicians to power. They want to see their country be put on the European path. Uh, they want you know, to see a country where ride police are not beating their children. And I was speaking a couple of hours ago with one of the young protesters who was standing on top of the uh, snow-filled sacks a two-meter-high barricade that they built, and I, I asked him, uh, what is the importance of this barricade that you've built here, that you've reconstructed? And, and he, said, he said, on this side, pointing at the government buildings, you have the Yanukovych part of Ukraine, ruled by Yanukovych, where you have slavery and you have no rule of law. On our side, he pointed to the protest camp, he said, look at how ordered everything is, how people have organized themselves, they're cleaning the streets themselves, everyone has a voice, can get up on the stage and speak, and we have our own uh, kind of utopian version of Ukraine here, and we want this to spread throughout the, the rest of Ukraine. So not many of the protesters actually see the opposition leaders as, in contrast to the 2004 armed revolution when Yulia Tymoshenko was the charismatic leader beating them all, this time it is very much a grassroots effort with civic society and NGOs uh, and journalists and, and just average people playing very big roles. Now, Roman, Kiev is obviously in turmoil, but is that true of the whole country, or is it just this uh, a capital city-centred rebellion? It's uh, In other parts of Ukraine, particularly in western Ukraine, we do have large protests on a daily basis. Uh, eastern Ukraine has been pretty much silent, although people in eastern Ukraine, probably the majority of them, don't support this protest in downtown Kiev. But they've been pretty much silent in contrast to uh, the 2004 Orange Revolution, when uh, many regional councils in eastern Ukraine were voting allegiance to Mr. Yanukovych, who was then a presidential candidate. And back then, many regional councils in western Ukraine were voting allegiance to Mr. Viktor Yushchenko, who won that election in a repeat vote. But eastern Ukraine this time is being very silent, and, and the people seem to be just going about their daily business, uh, working in steel, mine, steel mills and, and coal mines. And uh, even if you travel a few blocks away from this main protest site, um, things are pretty much uh, normal, Big people going about their business. But if you speak to people outside of this protest zone in Kiev, miles away from the downtown region, and you speak to them, even most of the people in Kiev support this protest, and there many people are, are helping out as they can, whether it's visiting for a couple of hours during the day, donating money or food, or just supporting it by talking about it with their neighbors, um, that's pretty much the situation here on the ground. And Neil, I mean, obviously, this is going to be decided not just by the people of Ukraine. There are also external actors who who are very important in this situation. We've seen U.S. Congress threatening sanctions if Yanukovych resorts to violence. Catherine Ashton, the EU's envoy, has been in Kiev. And then, of course, there's Moscow. How do you think the Putin government will be handling this? And uh, is it still the most powerful external player? Um, I think uh, Ukraine now finds itself caught between um, these these various different external players. There's, there's no question that, that Russia uh, exerts great influence 
uh, within Ukraine still, um, partly because of the historical um, links, but also just because Russia is prepared to play very, very tough, as we've seen. Um, uh, it it uh, uh, has restricted um, imports of a number of various Ukrainian goods this year and, and, and stepped up customs controls on the borders as a kind of demonstration of what would happen uh, if Ukraine does do the EU deal. Um, and these are the kind of tactics that Russia will deploy, but um, but Europe won't, of course. Um, so it's a somewhat unequal uh, battle, uh, in a sense. Um, Russia is, is still exerting uh, a lot of pressure, and that there's uh, there's due to be another meeting between Mr. Yanukovych and um, Russian President Vladimir Putin next week. Um, there are lots of rumours that Russia has offered some sort of aid, some sort of deal to uh, Ukraine. Um, but it's not at all clear whether that's something um, Mr. Yanukovych could even sign right now because it will be so inflammatory um, uh, to the situation on the on the street, the protesters on the street, that uh, that could really backfire. Um, and Russia and what, may, may itself not want to sign uh, in, this, in these circumstances when everything's so uncertain. And what about the Europeans? I, I mentioned they've been coming in and out of Kiev. Have they got a way of breaking this deadlock or, or perhaps persuading President Yanukovych to think again and sign the deal? I think the leverage that, um, that, 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 that both of the main external players have is um, Ukraine's... Um, uh, the very poor state of Ukraine's economy and, and particularly the very poor macroeconomic situation. Um, foreign exchange reserves are dwindling. Um, it's going to need a bailout fairly soon from one side or another. Either that comes from the International Monetary Fund uh, or it comes from uh, the Russians. Um, for for various reasons, domestically, uh, arguably it would be better to go with the IMF than, than with the Russians, but that doesn't necessarily mean Mr Yanukovych will do so. But if he does go with the IMF, the IMF probably will insist that uh, it would need to see at the very least a government reshuffle um, or perhaps a new government put in place before it will be prepared to, um, to, to lend billions of dollars uh, to Ukraine right now. OK, well, let me end by asking you both just for a kind of summation of how you think things are likely to pan out. Perhaps I could ask you, Roman, do you think you're still going to be monitoring demonstrations into the new year, or do you see a quicker resolution? I think that it's possible that demonstrations could could uh, last into the new year, but um, I think that with the pressure increasing on Yanukovych from the side of Russia, on the one hand, the EU, on the other hand, and people on the streets uh, here in Kiev, as well as the uh, economic situation worsening, he's going to have to move faster to defuse the situation on the streets and, and, and reach an agreement either with the EU or Russia. Um, I think that next week compromise talks will start with Ukraine's opposition. He will try to defuse the protest by pledging that he will next year sign agreements with the EU on association and free trade. But whether he signs or not is actually a very big question, and suspicions loom very large here on the streets that he will just try to diffuse the protest by creating the impression that he will sign. Uh, the analysts here on the ground in Kiev say that, in reality, Mr. Yanukovych would prefer a bailout from Russia, which comes with less strings attached and political guarantees that could help him get re-elected in 2015, perhaps in an undemocratic vote. Neil, how do you see it ending? What's your best guess? 
it's very difficult to guess. I, I hope that we will see some sort of um, realistic and genuine compromise that will get the protesters uh, off the streets and, but also see some of their aspirations met. I, I fear that that is not going to be the case, at least not in the short term, and that these um, protests could continue for quite uh, some time, partly because I'm afraid I don't have very much faith in the Yanukovych uh, administration to do what we might call the right thing in, in this situation. Okay, Neil Buckley here in the studio in London and Roman Alyarchuk uh, in Kiev. Thank you both very much. That's it for this week. Until next week, or possibly next year, goodbye. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts.